Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the Text Talk podcast. We are continuing our episodes in Acts chapter 14. Edwin, what's our text for today? Well, we're going to read actually the same thing we read yesterday, beginning in verse 8 all the way through verse 18, because we want to talk about that section again. I am reading from the English Standard Version. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw that Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Well, I gotta say, if in the last town they were talking about stoning you, this is a much better reception uh, from the people, um, physically speaking. (laughs) However, if the point of your teaching is to try to persuade people there's one true and living God, and uh, the miracle confirms this power, I am God's messenger, this is God's message, look, there's there's a terrible misunderstanding, it can feel like a complete evangelistic fail, uh, if, if if the response is, you're a God, let's worship you, let's celebrate you. Uh, that would take all the wind out of your sails. And so, you know, there, there's there's a lot of things going on here. We, we want to dig into it. But I will say that it's a perfect sign of just miscommunication all the way around. The miracle is done. We want to celebrate you as a God. How do you respond? You tear your clothes and weep. I mean, there was just a lot of, lot of miscommunication between all the parties. One of the things that I have learned about preaching and communicating is that folks often hear things the way they want to hear things, and folks often hear what they want to hear. When they like you, they hear it as the way they want to hear it. When they don't like you, they hear it as the opposite, so they can get mad at you. And that's that seems to be what's happening. It's it's the it's one of the most difficult things about communication is is discovering that there's a lot more to it than just the words that are coming out of my mouth or coming into my ears. There's the emotions. There's the how I feel about you. There's the what I'm expecting you to say. There's all of those things. And so what they were saying was missed because when they performed the miracle, there's actually a background story that is, I think, driving the response of this community. Let me jump in here real quick before we tell the story. And it's a great story. So listen up. But uh, what you've got here is is a brand new worldview being presented to this Greek culture. You know, the uh, monotheism, totally new information. 
you have to hear new things many, many times, right? To uh, to penetrate into your thinking, to resonate, to process. I don't know how many times the apostle had the opportunity to preach and teach to them. And so, yeah, yeah. What you see is, even though here is the demonstration of God's power and God's message, who still has incredible influence in this community? The priest of Zeus. It's not the preacher of Christ. It's the priest of Zeus. And so uh, we find the, the worldview coming into conflict. Well, talking about their worldview, they had been trained up with a historical cultural background. One of, of course. One of the things that I don't want to say we've, we've lost it in our modern culture, but because there's so much universality, eclecticism, all that across the board, there's so many cultures that are kind of a melting pot. We no longer have iconic universal stories that everyone in a culture really recognizes. I, I, I mean, I, I hope we have that in the church culture. We should have the iconic universal stories that we all recognize that we find in the Bible. But there was a time when that's what you found in every cultural pocket. There were the iconic stories that have driven our culture. And there was one for this culture that's really impacting what's happening. You mean the here. culture right here in Lystra? The, the culture here in Lystra. Yes, I'm okay. sorry. Thank you for making that clear. There, there was a, a iconic story that they had been trained up on you can find this in uh, lots of commentaries on the book of Acts. I recently was looking in uh, Gareth Reese's commentary oh, that's and, a good one. and reminded like of this, yeah, of this story. Gareth Reese. And that is, is that centuries before this event with Paul and Barnabas, the story, the legend, the fable was told that the gods came among the Lystrans, came among the Lyconians, uh, Zeus and Hermes traveled down and they were coming through Lystra at that time, knocking on the doors, trying to get someone to receive them. I don't even know if that's going over the, uh, over the podcast. I'm trying to knock on the table. <laughs> They're knocking Gee. on the doors, okay. knocking on the doors. Nobody is responding. No one in Lystra is opening the door. Nobody is opening the to door. To the gods no. who have come down and are walking yeah, their streets. Yeah, they, they look just like men. Ah. They've come in the likeness of men. Until they get finally to the last house in the town. And I think the, the names of the couple were Philemon and Baucus or Baucus. I, I'm not sure quite how to pronounce her name. It's not the Philemon that we know in the New Testament. And it's not Baucus that we know of as the Greek god that Bacchanalia comes from. Philemon and Baucus. They finally let them in. They show hospitality to them. And as Zeus and Hermes decide to leave, they take Philemon and Bacchus with them, and then they turn around and call fire down from heaven and destroy the town and kill everybody in the town except for them. They build, rebuild Lystra, build a temple, and Philemon and Bacchus get to be the, the high priest and priestess of the religion. And from that point forward, the town was much more hospitable, much more open to strangers because they never knew when they might be entertaining the gods unawares. Okay. That's the story. Okay. And so now Paul and Barnabas come into this town amid mm -hmm. people that have been raised up on that iconic cultural story that says this is what identifies us as as hospitable generous people for folks who come in and now these guys have performed this miracle and we are certain it is happening again okay zeus and hermes have come among us we better not blow it this time and that helps explain why it is this priest of zeus then who steps up and is the as the ringleader that the people listen to and they want to begin to worship paul and barnabas yes Real quick, just to throw this out to clarify for everyone, I, I know when I first started reading these story, this account here, I was always confused why Paul was considered Hermes and Barnabas was 
considered Zeus because it's it's clear that Paul is much more of the leader in this, or at least yeah. it's clear to me. And so why wouldn't they think Paul was Zeus? The reason for that is is that Hermes was the messenger god. And so when the gods came in, they didn't expect Zeus to do the speaking. They expected Hermes to do the speaking. Mm-hmm. So because Paul is doing more of the speaking, they think he is the messenger god. Yeah. So that's that's why that's happening here. And then one more thing to clarify, and that is is that uh, you may have heard of these gods as Jupiter and Mercury. And so Zeus and Hermes were the Greek names for these gods. Jupiter and Mercury were the Roman names oh, for these gods. same gods. So getting all that taken care of. Now... All that background, all that setup, we can see why the people are responding this way. I want to notice how Paul and Barnabas react. I think that's important to talk about. You know, I was I was kind of joking about it a couple of minutes ago, but when you have people, some people want to take up stones and throw them at you. Other people want to call you a god. There's a real temptation there, physically, personally, psychologically, you know. <laughs> I didn't say that quite right. Psychologically? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just say that there would be a real temptation there to go the way of popularity and forego the path of persecution. The man who would be king or the man who would be God. Rudyard Kipling told that story, the man who would be king. Sean Connery played that role in a movie, and it's fascinating when the folks think he's a god. You know what he does? He says, yeah, yeah, I am. Worship me. <laughs> you know, of course. Kind of like when C-3PO, right? And, and the Ewok village. And, 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 and When people call you a god, the temptation is to accept it. Yes. What do Paul and Barnabas do? No, no. We are men just like you. They are um, uh, demonstrative in their sorrow about this situation, even tearing their clothes, uh, which which is a sign of, of great sorrow and mourning. Well, it's upsetting to them that their message has been so misunderstood and they're wanting to demonstrate with clarity, no, we are not God. We are not God's. To me, I see an apologetic quality to this. One of the claims is that these folks in the first century, the apostles, made the stories up. Well, let's let's walk through in our minds. If they made the stories of Jesus up, why would they make the stories of Jesus up? They would make the stories of Jesus up to get a following, to make money, to to get. I mean, for the same reason, people would make up stories like this today. Of course. And so now if Paul and Barnabas are making this story up and now they found the community that is going to worship them as gods, what would the natural response be? Yeah. To just go along with it. Except it never leave there. But that is not what they did. Right. Because that's not what they were doing. They believed the story of Jesus. They believed the resurrection. And because that, they believed in the one and only true living God and Father, Son, and Spirit. And they believed that he came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and was resurrected and is therefore king. And the absolute worst thing in the world would be to accept worship as if they were God himself. That's right. Their hearts are true. They're humble men and they recognize, yes, we are messengers, but we are messengers of the true God and the Lord Jesus Christ. What a difference we see than uh, just a couple of chapters ago when we were talking about King Herod uh, the giving... The voice of a god and yeah, not of a man. that's right. And and he was eating that up and he was accepting all of that. And God, God struck him dead. He dies of 
worms, I believe the text said. I couldn't, I couldn't help it in my mind when you said he was eating that up and think, yes, but then he got eaten up. Then he got eaten up. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, and so, you know, there you see an evil man uh, who is inflated with arrogance and pride. And if people would say such foolish things, well, he'll accept it. He'll go with it. Not Paul and Barnabas. No, these are good, true Christians. And uh, when when people say those kinds of things, they must point out, this is misguided. We are men just like you, but we want to tell you about the real God. We want you to learn about the true and living God who, who has been there this whole time, who has allowed communities up to this point to ignore him. But now this message of Jesus is coming, but he's all the way along been trying to get you to know him. And he has been good to you he, all along. He has been trying to demonstrate this, looking at the natural realm, which once again reminds us that Everybody who lives in this world is without excuse when it comes to the belief in God. Mm. God has given the testimony that should say a divine creator exists and runs this world. And so now Paul preaches that true living God to them, but they are struggling because of their background. But Paul and Barnabas, they refuse the worship. They continue to point the glory to God. I think we need to give glory to God. Before we wrap up with prayer, just want to remind you, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, text talk at christiansmeethere.org. Andrew, would you pray for us? A great God and Father, Lord, thank you for the day. Thank you we can study your word and talk about Acts chapter 14, uh, this intriguing example set forth by Barnabas and Paul. Lord, for me, one of the things I, I take away and I want to pray about is help me to remember, help us to remember who we are and who you are, and to not get those things confused. May we serve you this day for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.